he's talking to you. He's equipping you to follow him. 613 rules. 613 rules to live your life by. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And Pharisees are known for their strict observance of the law. They were rule keepers. They lived their life by the book. And they wanted to make sure everybody else was living their life by the book as well. 613 rules. One third of them were rules to live by, things to do. Two thirds of them were the do nots, the things that they weren't allowed to do. But 613 rules is a lot to remember. And Jesus fascinates Nicodemus. There's something about him, about his teaching, about his miracles, about his life. There was something about Jesus that, well, just was different. And after Jesus cleansed the temple, which is the last sermon we preached in our Red Letter Day series, after Nicodemus saw the temple cleansed, he, he realized that he needed to meet with Jesus. He wasn't going to stand on the sidelines anymore. He was going to have that meeting because he needed to know if this powerful miracle worker, if this mesmerizing teacher was who he claimed to be, the long-awaited Messiah. And so in John chapter 3, Nicodemus makes a risky meeting with Jesus at night. And what Nicodemus hears from Jesus just seems too good to be true. It's too good to be true because there's 613 rules that he followed. His resume was impressive. I mean, he was a, a leader, a teacher in Israel, and his whole life has been defined by ritualistic purity. He thought, if, if I do what's right, then God will love me. If I perform for him, then he will provide for me. He thought God's love was based on keeping and wearing and doing and not doing every single rule. Or at least that's what he thought. For Nicodemus, imagine what it was like to live every day as though you had to be perfect. That every day you had to strive for that A+. Every single second of your life you had to be the valedictorian. Imagine the pressure that was on his life. And then Jesus comes and what he says changes everything. And not only does Nicodemus not have to be perfect, Jesus will do all the work for him and give him an A+. Surely what Jesus was telling him couldn't be right. I mean, what about all the requirements? It just felt too good to be true. And if it was true... And Nicodemus just wasted his entire life. Let's pick up the conversation in John chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, these are Jesus' words in red. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Everyone who believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus always meets people right where they're at, and that's what he does with Nicodemus. Look at verse 14 and 15 again quickly with me on the screen here. It says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus has to tell Nicodemus, look, it's not what you're going to do. It's what God is going to provide for you. What comes from the power of God, not the precision of man, that is what's going to keep you clean. See, you have a sin problem that poisons our life, and, and you could do all the right living possible, and it still wouldn't suck the poison of sin out of your life. It was all about what God was going to provide for his people to save them from what was killing them. And so to help him understand this, he goes to Numbers chapter 21. And it's the story that uh, comes after the children have been let uh, or freed from Egypt. They've been wandering the wilderness. They have got everything, everything provided by God. Food, water, clothing, shoes, everything from God. And yet, they will not stop complaining. And so God sends serpents into the camp, poisonous stakes that bite people, and sickness and death is spreading through the camp, and there's only one remedy that God would provide, and that comes in Numbers 21. Numbers 21, chapter, or chapter 21, verse 8 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bidden when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Jesus was helping Nicodemus see that, that life and death depends on God's provision. There's nothing they could do except be obedient and respond to what God was doing. To look at the provision that God had put up on that pole, that bronze snake, and that would be the provision that would cure the people. you got to believe and understand that there is no way, there, there's no amount of rules that religious people can make up that would cure you of your sin problem before a holy God. There's nothing you can do. And this is foreshadowed in the Old Testament, and Jesus is talking about it here now with Nicodemus, that the only provision for a dying people is what God can provide to cure the poison, the, now the poison of sin in our life. That image of the, the snake on the pole is the image of healing that to this very day is the medical symbol. To this very day, it still, it still represents healing. And when you think of Jesus hanging up on a cross, that still represents healing and life. Maybe a different kind, but a better kind that is available to all who believe. All the Israelites could do was to look at what God had provided, and that would save them from perishing. All that we can do today is to look at the cross 
God's cure for sin and death and Satan and hell. To look at the cross and believe that God saves his people from their sins. Guys, it's all about believing. It's not about keeping 613 rules. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Martin Luther called this passage, this scripture, the gospel in miniature. This is it. For God is so loved. And look at that. It's love that drives the provision of God. It's not your rule keeping. It's not how good you are. It's the love of God that provides eternal life. That's the only way to receive the gift that he gives you. Religion says you have to do something. Jesus says just believe and receive. And we say, but it feels too good to be true. And it may feel that way, but it is true. It's not about rule keeping. It's all about believing. We must believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for our sin. And we get rescued in that. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus' death on the cross is a unique provision for you and for me that comes from God to those who believe. It's just the same as he did in the desert. He provided something to look at, and in doing that, they would be saved. And today we put our hope in the cross that we look at, and we believe that God has done it all for us on our behalf, and the price is paid. We still have a need today. We need forgiveness, and, and we try to earn God's salvation. I can't believe how many people I talk to that tell me, well, you know, I'm a good person. I have no doubt that you're a good person, but Jesus still needed to die for your sins. See, we need this. We have to put our hope, our faith, our belief in what he's done, not what we can do. And here's really the bottom line, is we need to have an encounter like Nicodemus did. Because when Nicodemus met Jesus, his life was changed forever. And here's really what this whole story is about is that when Nicodemus met Jesus, his entire life changed. As he listened to the words of Jesus, then, then all of a sudden when it came to the point where they wanted to kill Jesus, his friends, his religious leaders, his buddies were, were upset that Jesus had healed a blind man. And they're talking about how to get rid of Jesus. You know what Nicodemus does? He stands up for Jesus in the middle of that conversation. Imagine what that would have taken. But that's nothing compared to the day that Jesus died. And when they took his body off the cross, it was Nicodemus who was helping to do that and prepared Jesus' body for burial. See, Nicodemus was never the same after he encountered Jesus. And we need an encounter with Jesus like Nicodemus had. 
We need that when we gather together. We need that mind-blowing, that life-changing, that powerful, close, intimate, I'm never going to be the same. It's not my way, it's your way. We need that type of encounter with Jesus in our life. He can't just be this concept. He's got to be this reality. And think about it when it comes to Nicodemus. Nicodemus has studied the Old Testament. He has studied the words of God. In fact, somebody like Nicodemus would have spent his entire life studying, so much so that he would have memorized every word of the Old Testament. He had the entire Old Testament memorized. He had studied it backwards and forwards. So he knew the words of God. And then in one moment, he comes face to face with the Word of God. And everything changes. John tells us that Jesus was the Word. He was with God. He was God. The Word became flesh that Jesus was here. He was the Word of God. And when he encountered Jesus, he would never be the same. That's what we need. We need that mind-blowing, life-changing, powerful, close, Intimate. I'll never be the same. It's his way, not my way. We need that type of encounter with Jesus. We need to find ourselves in his presence, experiencing his glory, realizing that he's bigger than what we're doing. He's better than our rule keeping. He's more powerful than our sin. That his love drives him and that I believe and look to his love and I confess and I believe and I know that I'm a sinner, but I am forgiven, I am loved, and it's hard to believe, but it's true, and it's more than I could ever dare imagine how much God loved me. For God so loved. Tim Keller uh, told this illustration, and I love it. I'm just going to ask you to take out a piece of paper, get your... um, calendar out of your bulletin and just look at the width of that piece of paper. It's microscopic. I mean, just how thin that is. Imagine the distance from the sun to the earth, which is about 93 million miles, is reduced to the width of a piece of paper. 93 million miles reduced to the width of a piece of paper. If you wanted to measure the diameter of our galaxy that we live in, you would have a stack of paper 310 miles high. And when you think about our galaxy, we're one of the smallest in the universe. We are one of those speck of dust galaxies that are almost invisible. And the Bible tells us that Jesus holds together the universe by the power of his word. If you want to put it like in modern day translation, it's like he holds it together by his pinky. That massive universe he holds together by his pinky. So let me ask you a question. Is that the type of person that you invite into your life to be your assistant? Or is that the type of person that when you encounter, you bow your knee 
and you're never the same. See, Nicodemus knew all the words of God, but then he encountered the word of God, and his life was never the same. I'm going to give you three things that happened in Nicodemus' life that I believe have to happen in our life as we conclude today. And I'd like you to write these things down because we need an encounter with Jesus. The first thing is, is that Nicodemus learned. He had that face-to-face meeting with Jesus. He drew near to Jesus. He, he couldn't stay away anymore, so he, he came near to Jesus and he listened. And I want to tell you, when you have that encounter with God and you come close to him, you will be changed But you've got to find yourself in a place to listen to the Lord. To have those meetings with the Lord. That's why I'm glad you're here today. You need to have that encounter with Jesus. Second thing is that he shared. He spoke up for Jesus. In the middle of his friends, when they were bad-mouthing Jesus, when they were were going to kill Jesus, and, and Nicodemus is the only one that stood up. You're saying, I believe he is who he says he is. We need to listen to him. We need to encounter him. He he was not ashamed to share. He was not ashamed to share. And I'm going to tell you, when you've encountered Jesus, you won't be ashamed to share. It may take courage and boldness, but you won't be ashamed because he is the one that holds together the universe by his pinky. Finally, he served. And he served in a very dangerous way. He was the one that took Jesus' body off the cross with Joseph of Arimathea, another Pharisee that was definitely impacted and encountered Jesus in a powerful way. And after what his friends had done to Jesus, by doing that, he was putting his own life in danger. And he, he didn't mind serving Jesus dangerously because he had, he had encountered Jesus. We need that same type of encounter with Jesus. That mind Blowing, life-changing, powerful, close, intimate. I'll never be the same. Not my way, his way. Encounter with Jesus. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today as we prepare to worship the Lord for a while before we go because we need an encounter with Jesus. We can't just go to church and and do our religious duties. We, we can't base our life on the things we do for Him. I want you to know today how much God loves you. And it's not going to take a lot of words from a pastor or a lot of songs from a worship team. It's going to take a face-to-face encounter with the Word. It's not the words that are being spoken or sung Because you probably memorized those. Everybody knows John 3.16. Everybody knows the songs we sang today. We know these things. But do we know Jesus? Have we had the encounter like Nicodemus had that, that radically changed everything about him and he was never the same? That's the type of encounter that I want you to have when you walk into Christian Life Church. That we wouldn't just play the games of religion, trying to be good, but that we would meet with Jesus. That we would look at him. That we would realize how much he loves us. And how much he's done for us. That we would bow our knee to him. 
that our life would change, that we would do it His way. Lord, today we look to You. We surrender to You today. Lord, I speak for all of us. We all need a life-changing encounter with You. So Lord, I pray as we just continue to worship and conclude our time together in a few moments, I, I pray that, that we wouldn't hold back. But Lord, we'd encounter you in a new way, in a fresh way, in a powerful way. Lord, we love you this morning. We need you. Thank you, Lord. As we worship the Lord today, I'm going to ask you just to stand as we begin worship. But then I'm going to ask you, you, you need an encounter with God. So I'm not sure how that's going to look this morning. Uh, maybe for some, you just need to, in, a, in abandonment, just raise your hands to the sky and close your eyes and just get lost with Him. Maybe that's what you need to do. Others, may, you may just need to slip to your knees right where you're at or come to the altar or whatever just, and just worship Him. But wherever you're at, don't miss this time to encounter Jesus. Because when you encounter Him, you will never be the same. Let's worship Him. God, we want to meet you right now. Lord, we want to meet you. We want to know you, God. There is love that came for us Humbled to a sinner's cross You broke my shame and sinfulness You rose again victorious